the important part is the availability on the level of integration and of course the mindset because if you want to work with the Pomodoro technique and want to work for 25 minutes you can just use a kitchen timer but if you want to keep track of your sessions of your tasks if you want to be notified on your apple watch you have to use focus This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode number 42. I am Joe Darnell, your host, and with me is my good friend, Mr. Joshua Piper. How are you doing, Joshua? Good morning. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. We're recording this in the morning. That's a rarity for us. Yeah, I'm up, uh, up on my... I was working on my second cup of coffee, but uh, I got distracted, so... A different sort of drink for this time of day than our normal fare. <laughs> That's true. Now, I, I wonder what our listeners uh, drink when they're listening. I, we maybe need to get some follow-up on that. If anyone wants to tell us what you drink when you're listening to the Tectonic, that'll give us an idea of how we need to approach the show in the future. <laughs> <laughs> With us is our guest on the other side of the world, hailing from Germany. We have Mr. Jan Harman. Uh, how are you doing, Jan? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome to this podcast on the other side of the world. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fine. I discovered you not too long ago because you're a fantastic app developer and you're the man behind the scene of a productivity app I saw for the Mac and iOS. And it got my attention because it has loads of quality and it has a great collection of features for, well, my productivity interests and nerdiness. I, I just, I was instantly attracted to the app. So congratulations for winning me over very quickly. Thanks. Thanks. You, you prof professionally, you're producing these iOS and Mac apps. You studied right there in uh, your hometown. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I studied computer science and now I'm, I'm developing apps and um, I'm an indie developer. I mostly uh, work on my app Focus. Other people might know you from your one of your other apps, which is Splitfari for the iPad. I think it's been mentioned on connected with Federico Vatici. A lot of the, the iPad users need to have two web browsers up side by side and you gave them a great solution. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Now, what, what inspires your apps in general? I want to get what gets you going and what it, creative juice is flowing when you decided to make something like Safari or your counter app, which we'll mention in a little bit, or the Focus app. Like, what inspires you to solve these problems? Yeah, so, so first, the Focus app is so, the main app I manage. And counter is an, more or less an experiment I had done in, in the last few days or weeks. And it, it was more or less a test project for a special focus feature. And then I decided to um, make a, an app from that. And that is the counter app that you can see in the store. And if you have purchased focus for iOS, you can get the counter app for free in a bundle. Oh, okay. All right. Now, did you start with Splitfari? Uh, what is your background in app development? Where did you get started? So I, um, after, after college, I started at a small software company called Semantical, and I worked there for nearly two and a half years um, before I decided to um, to start my own company and make my own products, and Focus was my first product. 
Did you know that you wanted to go towards app development from the get-go? Have you taken an interest in these platforms a good deal of time? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I should go some time back when I first purchased my white MacBook. <laughs> back in, I think it was 2006, I was instantly blown away by it. Was that the iBook? Uh, what is it, G4? No, it, it was the it was probably the first MacBook. The first MacBook was in 2006 because I bought I bought the same one. <laughs> oh, okay. it was, and it was great. It was it was a great great machine. Yeah, it it was. I think it was 2006, and I loved the way things worked. I loved the overall experience. I was fascinated by the software and lose uh, use a lot of apps on it. So I quickly decided to to make apps. And the strong desire to make them led me to the path of app development. Then does that mean that you considered yourself first a Mac developer and secondarily an iOS developer? Yep, that's correct. And do you think that all of your apps, like you have thus far, you have an app for both the Mac and the, and the iOS, I guess with the exception of Splitfari, which is really dedicated to the iPad yep. as a tool for split view, do you foresee trying to make this app parity with iOS and Mac for your other apps in general? Yeah, I think that um, an an app today should leverage the um, Apple ecosystem, and that you should, if it possible, you should be on all platforms and not just iOS and the Mac, but also um, on Apple Watch. Yes, I actually got the Apple Watch version of Focus on and right now, and. I haven't used it very much yet because I'm still getting used to the iOS version for my phone, but it does look very promising. Thanks. The, um, the Apple Watch update was the first update in 2016. And um, it was, I think it was focused for iOS 1.4. And it adds a native WatchOS 2 app with a complication. Before we get a little a deeper into the specifics of each app, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your app development business. This has got to be a struggle for all the app developers I've ever met. Getting started, you know, where do you find your customers? How did you pick a name? How do you know which projects you want to start? And what are your feelings towards the Apple culture and the app store in general? What does your brand represent, Laser Focused? What do you want people to get from your apps? Um, Laser Focused is um, is founded to build products that enable people to be more productive, to bring productivity to all Apple devices. Yeah, to to enhance um, the, their daily work routine. Something though that I, I pick up that's related to that, Jan, is is that not only do you have this mindfulness for productivity, but with your attention to design details and clearly communicating, well, uh, just a fabulous user experience. By most standards, I think that you've got such a clarity with your apps that it's actually very delightful. It, it, it's instantly understandable, and you're pairing together features in things like the Focused app that I haven't seen paired together before. And it, it, it seems like the obvious conclusion to some of our productivity needs. So while, while it's certainly effective in your mission to accomplish productivity and to offer people a good productivity apps, I think you can boast that you're actually hitting the nail on the head. You have effectively accomplished your <laughs> mission with, with focus because Thanks. it is a delight to use. Still, it is a niche. 
because the Pomodoro technique is not something um, a lot of people know or those of us uh, who don't know what the Pomodoro technique is. It's a technique that, um, that, that you work for 25 minutes and then take a five minute break, then work for another 25 minutes. And after four of those uh, work sessions, um, you take a longer break of 15 to 20 minutes. What I found out is that um, when, when I work in these intervals, I'm really more productive and, um, and the idea clicked for me. Um, I was better at managing my time um, and most importantly, it prevented me from procrastinate and started working. The, the Pomodoro technique, as you're describing it, has been used in a couple of different ways. I know people who like to have longer Pomodoros, the spells where you're getting low focused work done. It varies from 25 minutes seems to be the most commonly used Pomodoro. Right. Some that do 20 minutes, but I've seen others that do up to like 45 minutes. And the objective here is that you just tune out all the distractions. So you turn off the access to your social media, you turn off your notification systems, and you get to writing if writing is your job, or coding if coding is your job. You stop listening to podcasts, whatever it takes. And during the, that sacred time on the Pomodoro, you're just trying to get something done. It all started with like a kitchen timer where you just set the kitchen timer to the time you want, and then you get the work done, your app is able to actually track what you got done during that Pomodoro. That was one of the intelligent improvements on the concept that I saw immediately that focus brings to it. Yeah. And uh, when I found out that the uh, Pomodoro technique uh, works for me, I quickly became uh, frustrated because the, the app landscape in that niche is, is very... It really is a disappointment. <laughs> I think that's what you're trying yeah, to right, say. Right. Um, a lot of apps are not updated for some time. Um, there's no support for new features. Um, I don't think the developers making these timer Pomodoro apps are using Pomodoros themselves to get work done, or they'd be a little bit more effective. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And um, there are also quite, uh, quite a few challenges um, as a developer, but we can talk about that in a minute. On my, on, my, on my journey to find a suitable Pomodoro app, I couldn't find one. So there was the idea to just make one and uh, make a better one. So the idea for Focus was very simple, to, to make the best Pomodoro timer, integrate tasks, and of course make it available on all platforms. There are some implications to this because um, to be the best Pomodoro timer, you, you have to have a um, special design, um, special way um, how it works. You have to integrate the task in a good way um, that it makes sense together with the timer. And also to make it available on our platforms, um, you have to use CloudSync. I use iCloud. You have to um, support device-specific uh, features like Today Widget because you don't always want to unlock your phone and open the app to see how much time is left. Mm. So the uh, three main goals were to make the best timer, to integrate tasks, and to be on all platforms. Okay, so right now I have a collection of tasks in my, in my app, and I'm going to start the one for Show Recording in Focus. And then I'm going to pull up the today view yeah. and see if I if I edit my widgets. Do I need to add the widget for focus? There we go. Yeah. 
And I have added it, bring it up to the top. Done. Here it is, it's loading. Oh, look at those controls. Jan, this is brilliant <laughs> because you can add plus five. I assume that adds five more minutes to extend the Pomodoro. Right, yeah. And then you can go back if this, if this session ends, it shows you the timer and it shows you how much time is left. I got 24 minutes and 19 seconds. I can pause the Pomodoro. Let's say if I have to make an emergency run to the restroom or I can jump to the end of this session. Let's say if I get the tasks done that I needed to get done during this Pomodoro, I can just press that to skip the rest of the session right there from the today view. Wow, Jan, <laughs> you just uncovered an extra layer of quality to this app I hadn't anticipated. Great to hear. <laughs> okay, well then, with this level of thoroughness, I want to go back to a couple of the questions that pertain a lot to your business's approach. Before we get into, like, what is focus in detail, mm -hmm. who are your customers? You say you're looking for people who are productivity-minded. But do you feel like this is for, this is for uh, business professionals, people in personal use, just the people who are mindful and approaching their calendars to get things done. How do you see this answering a problem that simply using a standard kitchen timer isn't going to cut for them? Or using a calendar system like Apple's Calendar or Google Calendars isn't going to solve? So my customers, uh, I think, are mostly people who work on their own. Uh, mostly freelancers, small businesses, teachers, and so on. I think the important part is the availability on all your devices and the level of integration and, of course, the mindset. Because if you want to work with the Pomodoro technique and want to work for 25 minutes, you can just use the kitchen timer. But if you want to keep track of your sessions, of your tasks, if you want to be notified on your Apple Watch, you have to use Focus. I'm just looking at the section for the activity in the app, and I'm really, I'm just imagining the variety of interesting ways that this can be used for freelancers, consultants, writers, coders. It's, it's interesting because you reward people for completing their Pomodoros. Right. Usually this approach with the Pomodoro technique doesn't actually track your time. It doesn't tell you, okay, this is what you actually got done in the last 15, 25 minutes, but your app does. And that means it's, it's very useful for the, the small businessman or the entrepreneur that's like, I really need to stop using Facebook. I just got to get some work done. <laughs> and if I want to know that I accomplished anything today and know my value, when it comes to the end of the day, they can look at it here in this automated list, which is formed for sessions and tasks. And I, so that's what I see here is that the people who genuinely care about their efficiency, they're not so lazy, and they want to know they're actually being effective. You've not just produced a, a timering system or a task to-do list system. You've also created a time tracking system all in one. Yep. And that's pretty powerful. But the, the tracking system is still limited because it doesn't track how much sessions you worked on a particular task. But that's something I have in mind for the future to, to really enhance the activity area. Sure, sure.
But if nothing else, a lot of people feel like they get to the end of the day and what did they get done? They answered a bunch of emails and they made a phone call and it's hard for them to quantify the tasks that got completed. Yeah, I agree. But if you look at these tasks here and you know, well, it shows I got five tasks done today, then you have a better idea that you're actually getting something done. <laughs> yes, that's right. So how did you learn programming for the Mac platform and for iOS? And uh, which, which do you prefer? I'm just curious. So I began with a Mac and, um, and then iOS is uh, yeah, kind of easy. If you're a developer and uh, you, you worked on the Mac for, let's say, three or more years um, and then switch to iOS um, and you look at the APIs um, and the, the documentation and everything is clean and nice <laughs> and on the Mac it's you yeah you see that it's that's not something Apple invented in the last 10 years <laughs> yes okay. so, so yeah, the, the things are still let's say complicated in a lot of areas and and iOS is fresh. iOS is is designed for mobile, designed for simplicity. So it's not that hard to switch from the Mac to iOS. I think the other way around is uh, way more difficult. Would you say that the Apple's putting a whole lot more time into the iOS APIs and, and and developer kits and things like that at this point? That's my feel. Is they know where the future is going, and it's it's certainly iOS based. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, um, the Cocoa framework for Mac was there, so there was no no need to reinvent everything. But iOS was reinvented, I think, in two thousand, or was invented in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. So they had a clean slate, and um, they they could do everything they they wanted to do, and you really feel that. And, and also they are moving very, really fast at the moment. With iOS 8, they changed so many APIs. With Swift, they introduced a completely new language. Yeah, you, you really feel that. And how, what are your feelings towards Swift? And do you see using it in the immediate future or down the road? Yeah, the um, WatchOS 2 app that I released, um, I think it was a week ago, um, it's completely written in Swift. So I use it in Focus to write the new uh, things. But I still, um, I still like Objective-C. It's the language I started with, and I think it's also the language um, that will, will, uh, will be there for a long time coming. I'm looking at the app now on my watch, and it looks a lot like the, the activity tracker with a uh, blue circle that is going around clockwise to complete the Pomodoro, shows the countdown. And then, let me see, swipe left, it shows how many sessions I've got done for the day. Yeah, it's, uh, this is coming along. This is a lot more than I'm seeing from a lot of the other timer apps. And like you said, so many that w were abandoned, you just don't feel like um, you got your money's worth. Uh, do you mind if I ask you about the price? Because this is something that it is really smart. I like your price tiers for the for the versions of Focus you've got. Mm -hmm. It is six ninety nine for the app version. Sorry, the iOS version. That'll give you what you need. It's the universal version of the app, so you get it for your iPhone, iPad, and the watch. Right. Do you feel like 
$2 of that price tag are for the phone, $2 are for the iPad, and $2 are for the uh, the watch app? Or how does it break down for you? Yeah, it's it's uh, difficult to monetize um, or to, to set a right price on the iOS apps because people who don't own a watch are paying the same price uh, like people who use the app on their watch. So it's, it's difficult as a developer to decide which price is right for everybody. But I think with an app that works on your phone, on your iPad, on, on Apple Watch and things with iCloud, it's a fair price. And there are some more things included, the future development of Focus. And I'm not, I'm not in for the short term. Uh, short term. So um, I wanted to make an app that I can afford to support down the road a few years maybe. And that's, that's um, included in the price. And then does this also reflect on the price for the Mac app version? It's set at $19.99. Yeah. And I haven't downloaded it yet because I'm using the, I'm getting actually a lot of mileage from the iOS version. And I see using this while I'm away from the computer. If I want to build it into my routine, I, I need to be able to know that I'll always get to it. And so I, I thought for the meantime, I'm going to stick to the iOS version. So uh, what are your thoughts then around the pricing and the the Mac app version? I think the, the Mac app version is um, important for a lot of uh, people because um, professionals are still working uh, on the Mac. And often they can't be on their phones when they're at the desk, yeah. Right. So uh, w when you work on your Mac, it's still important to, to have your apps there and not to to use your phone uh, while you while you are doing other things on your mac so the mac version is important and the price tag simply reflects like the ios version too uh, reflects the, the price of development of future development and so on i want to commend you for that because that's that's the thing that all the developers say they they cannot price these apps based on the the costs of development. They're compelled to drop their price so that they can just get the buyers. Yeah, I think that's a problem. I, I think that's a problem. If you can't ask for the price for development and you, you go cheap, you can't afford to, to develop uh, your app uh, further and you can't uh, afford to support the next OS version or the next display size uh, and so on so jan how do you use your apps yourself you said that you've noticed say an improvement when using the pomodoro technique how does it fit into your own work life and balance and uh, just a completion of tasks yeah i use focus every day so when i start working um the first thing usually the first thing i open is focus because um it uh, prevents me from getting distracted and then I add or select a task and just start the timer and start working. As, as you know, focus is very simple in its, uh, in its management of tasks. So there are no tags, there are no folders, colors, groups, or, or anything like that. It's just a simple and um, beautiful task list. So when I start my day, I, I, I add them, the tasks I, that I want uh, for the day. So you've already identified your objectives for the day and yeah. maybe your projects. Yeah. And then what you use for the Focus app for is down right down to the tasks to be completed. Yeah. 
I just write down the task for the day. I found out that it uh, works the best for me. Yeah, I wouldn't see in uh, putting in here something like a project where it's it's something that requires many many tasks to complete. Right, focus. You should. put in here that yeah, <laughs> because in twenty five minutes for a single Pomodoro, how many tasks can you get completed, and certainly how many projects could you ever get done in a twenty five minute spell? Oh, I don't know. That depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it Maybe depends. if you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I got that done in you know three minutes, and I, so I did it again and again and again in one Pomodoro. <laughs> so. <laughs> And I, I think by making that task list so simple, um, it should actively uh, prevent people from managing their whole life in focus. That's not that's not meant to to be. Well, in in thinking about this too, uh, you know, we've we've discussed a lot of this nerdy mindfulness stuff on the show before. We talked recently about goals with Tim Stringer, and now everybody is getting to the the point that they're probably fatigued and they're they're tired of their new year's resolutions they're tired of thinking about goals for the year <laughs> and i think the reason that this is is because people get overly focused on goals and they in the mire they lose focus on the tasks so if you're going to get the, these projects done if you're going to start that business on the side you have to identify what the tasks are to get to that point that that project is done and then this other project is done And then all of those done projects together complete the goal. But so few apps merge the best ideas to give you the focus on the tasks themselves. So when you look at the focus app, you're looking at how many tasks did I get done today, but also how many, how many minutes did I work today and, and versus like just goofing off on social networks. And because of how these two things come together, You have a good idea that you're, you're just laser focused. It's like the name of your business. <laughs> you're actually getting to the tasks, you're marking them completed, and you can look at your, your history uh, with the, the activity section where you can see this is the number of tasks I got completed today, and this is the number of sessions I did today or the, the number of minutes I did today. And I think that that's very rewarding, whereas... Like um, I use OmniFocus, and a lot of people say they will often add a task that they just completed into OmniFocus just so they can get the gratification of checking it off. <laughs> I think this is something that a lot of the productivity nerds will do because they they lose sight of what tasks they needed to have on their to-do list in the first place. So they they had the goal in mind, they had the project in mind, but they lost sight of the tasks. And that is what Focus does really well. Your app uh, calls attention to make your task list, make it right, and then plow through it during the day. So you have to have an app where you are thinking about your goals. You, you have a, a notebook where you keep your goals list. And then you have some record of, here are the projects that I need to do for these clients. And you have those spaces allotted for in your calendar, in your schedule. But then when you open up the Focus app, you just think about, these are the tasks I need to complete. So here's a little bit about the interface I wanted to talk about too. At the bottom, in a traditional sort of iOS style, you have the different menus you can select from. You got the four different menus. It's akin to, say, the Apple Music app, if you've used that in recent days, where you've got you know, the For You section, the New section, the Radio section. You got that menu at the bottom like you have on so many iOS apps. 
In focus, you have on the bottom left, you have the tasks list. And this is where you have the ability to quickly add tasks, to mark them complete. When they are completed, they get hidden. So you can also tap a button to view the tasks that have been completed. So if your boss walks in and says, what'd you get done today? <laughs> you got that right there. And uh, you can say, well, let me show you. I got this and this and this done. I got this done this morning at 9.24 a.m. You can get that specific. And then if you want to quickly edit, you can delete the, the tasks. You rearrange the tasks. It's all there. And, Jan, that's, that's the thing. It's like going back to what we've said to criticize other to-do list making apps and timer apps they have some of the features, but none of them have all the features you'd expect from a to-do list or for a timer app. From what I've seen, you have them all here. You just have them all. Like you were, you were um, noting that you don't have the ability to add tags or color code your lists and the like. I don't need those features. I, I don't need to be able to stylize what I have in the app. I just need to know what the tasks are in very plain, clear language. I'm really gratified by the section for tasks. <laughs> a, a lot of people uh, would disagree, but um, I agree. Yeah, it's the most simple form of a task list, and um, and I currently have no plans to <laughs> to change that. Now that you brought it up, that makes me wonder: uh, or have you seen some uh, unique feature requests from your early users? I think the most common feature request is to add a deeper integration uh, with OmniFocus, of course, and to make the activity tab more detailed, to add a more um, advanced statistic there. So what would integration with OmniFocus look like? I really can't picture that. I don't use OmniFocus, but um, I think you have a today list there. So um, the integration might look like that um, you add or you have your today tasks in OmniFocus and you can just press a button and they appear in, the f in focus. Interesting. Okay. I haven't really thought about that kind of functionality before, but I can see why it'd be useful. Yeah. I, like I said, I use OmniFocus. So if I saw the task there, I think that I would get something from it. Joe, do you use the, I guess, the today view in OmniFocus, because I use that, that a lot. And that's exactly what I was thinking as I've been listening is that, man, if, if you could just export the today list into more of the time management app, which which uh, he's made, that would be pretty useful. I mean, you'd have to check them off in both systems, maybe, but it would be a useful way to to manage the higher level stuff within OmniFocus and projects and you know different things like that. They're two different, uh, obviously two different apps and two different purposes. But if you're wanting to get down to the, the time management stuff, yeah, I, I could see that as being pretty useful as someone that does use the, the uh, today view in higher level project management in, in OmniFocus. Absolutely. I do use the today view most of the time. In the morning, I look at my projects. I identify the ones that have tasks I want to complete today. I may flag them if they're uh, the most important tasks. And I spend next to no time at all looking at contexts because I haven't really found a way to make use of them throughout the day or throughout the week. When I'm getting work done, I'm much more project and task oriented. Beyond identifying what I want to do today, I do move to the today view and I execute on the those that are actually listed there. Exactly. 
Yeah. So it sounds like if you if you want if you had a t- uh, a list of things in the t- today view of OmniFocus, you'd have to recreate them, maybe like a copy and paste or or physically retype out the tasks. Perhaps. So I can I can definitely see how it would, it would be a useful integration. Well, you just need to practice your your typing skills on iOS, and it's not really going to cost you that much trouble. <laughs> no, I'm actually pretty good on typing on my iPad. Most people are impressed with my my typing speed on the iPad. And I'm not even using the iPad Pro just yet, so we'll see what that does to my, my, my typing speeds. Jan, you mentioned you don't use OmniFocus. Do you use another productivity uh, project management system in addition to Focus? I used things uh, for a long time, um, but currently not really. I, um, I do a lot of stuff in the Notes app. Since I was nine, um, it, it has a lot of features that are really, really great. And you, you also can, can add tasks in, in your document. So I use the Notes app a lot. So you got your notes right alongside of your project to-do lists. Yeah, right. And you have found uh, the iCloud syncing to be very reliable thus far? With the Notes app? Uh, well, with the Notes app and for the Focus app. Yeah, um, it's the iCloud Sync on the Focus app is based on CloudKit, which was uh, introduced on WWDC, I think, 2014. And it's it's a great, great solution. Say Apple really got their shit together and made a great cloud solution for developers. The Focus uses, uses CloudKit, yeah. One of the other things we have mentioned indirectly is the the other level to this for your productivity. You got your goals at the topmost here. You've got the projects that all make up the goals. Then you got your tasks that make up the projects. And because this is a Pomodoro timing app, you've got your sessions that make up the execution of the tasks. And so that's something that I, I haven't seen in other timer apps where in focus, if you go to the bottom, there is a section there just for sessions. And this is where you would start the timer. But then it records a log of those sessions. And this is where you said, Jan, that your users are saying they would like to have the most feature requests. And this is for the section called activity. Yeah. In activity, you got a list of the number of sessions you completed today. And I assume for the other days of the week or weeks on end, or how does this work? Oh, it's uh, just a simple list of days where you worked. It's in a chronological order. Mm. And uh, the list shows you how many sessions you completed each day. So if you tapped on the tasks completed today, it presents a list of those tasks that were done today. Right. And in the in sessions tab, it uh, presents you a list of uh, of all your sessions on that day. Okay, well then, back to the stuff that pertain to the app store. You have some general concerns as an app developer about the present complexity, the uh, the competition, and year over year, the difficulty of making a living with this market. Uh, what are your thoughts and experiences concerning the app store? So as an indie developer, you have to deal with an increased complexity of the ecosystem. Um, there are more devices than ever. Um, you have a lot of work um, in adopting new features every year. Uh, think of the, the iPhone 6 Plus. It's a completely new form factor. Uh, there's the iPad Pro. 
the, the Apple Watch, of course, the Apple TV. In, in addition to this, uh, to this new features and form factors, and um, there's, we have a yearly OS release cycle for iOS and the Mac. We have new operating systems um, with watchOS and tvOS. And, and last year alone, it was watchOS 1 and watchOS 2 uh, that Apple released. So my feeling is that there's an increased complexity um, for developers. And you have to add a lot of features to have apps that really uses or really is a good citizen on the platform. And not just new features, but uh, think of iOS 7. It was a completely new design and um, a lot of developers were struggling to adopt their apps uh, to the new look and feel and Yosemite too. So as a developer, um, sometimes you have to rethink how your app looks or works. You have also to, you have also a new functionality that you need to implement uh, like extensions and handoff or 3D touch um, last year, um, or new spotlight search and, and, and so on and so on. So there are some changed expectations from your users because uh, your users want to use uh, the latest and greatest features and, and I think they are right. They should expect this from an app. They, they should expect um, the apps to be optimized for new devices and form factors. And they also expect an app to sync, uh, to, to have a cloud sync that syncs the different versions of the app. And of course, they expect cheap prices. But I also think that's a problem that most developers try to solve by lowering their prices. And I think that's a bad idea in the long run because <laughs> the, the, um, the expectation can't change if you lower your price. Right. I think what it, it says to the the users who bought it when it was at the original price, the higher price for the value of the app as it should be, is um, we punish our early adopters. Right. Because if they paid, you know, six or seven dollars for the app and then because you're trying to gain more adopters, you drop the price to two or three, the early adopters are paying ridiculous extra premium. For something that you know is its actual value, I, I think I'm convinced with an app like yours that you should be able to charge more than you're able to charge. But considering the uh, the market as it is on the app store, you're <laughs> you're challenging the entire system as we know it. Yeah, but but I'm I'm convinced that um, that you have to do it to stand out these days. Because you always have a problem of monetizing your apps and um, focus is, I think it is a honest, uh, honest approach. I say, this is the price, um, pay it or not. <laughs> and I, I will not have some, some in-app purchase or some hidden subscription or something like that. Focus is upfront and that's a, that's a decision I made right from the beginning. I was wondering that, in perhaps one alternative, I don't know if this would be interesting to you, is the approach that Marco Arment used for the first version of Overcast, where it was free to begin with for a certain number of features or for a certain number of podcasts. Then if you wanted to take advantage of 
all the features of Overcast. You needed to pay the in-app purchase once to unlock all the features unlimitedly for all the podcasts that you wanted to listen to and add as your subscriptions. What do you think of a model where you give people the the opportunity to give your an app a free trial, where they you know they're able to use it for uh, maybe a day's worth of sessions, let's say, and they're or they're able to input a dozen different tasks and execute on those tasks. And if they want to, if they want to get more bang for their buck, they have to unlock the rest of the the features or just give themselves the option of unlimited sessions and unlimited tasks. I was wondering if that is something that would interest you because it would perhaps appeal to the people who want a free trial before they they actually are willing to to plunk down six or seven dollars for the iOS version. Two things. The first thing is that I think that the f focus is in such a niche that it's not possible to to earn a lot of money with in-app purchase because the conversion rate is. Uh, somewhere between, uh, I think, uh, I guess it's it's somewhere between three and maybe ten percent. And if you have, uh, I don't know, uh, fifty two hundred downloads a day, this won't work. Um, the other thing is that Apple does not allow that you uh, something like a trial on the iOS App Store. Your app have or it has to be fully functional without in-app purchase. So if you limit the number of podcasts um, in your podcast app, that's totally fine because you can play the five podcasts uh, you are allowed to play. What's about focus? Um, if you have done your five sessions, you won't be able to do to or you won't be able to use the app anymore. So that's a problem. And by limiting the tasks, I think a lot of people just would use the app and don't buy additional tasks. Mm. I can see I can see the concern there. Yeah. I want to give you the a little bit more credit than that because I think that if people get an opportunity to use your app, then they'll want to use it again because they got a taste of its quality. Right. You're able to demonstrate through screenshots and through the description on your app, you know, its quality and maybe through the ratings you know, get you have some very positive feedback so that other potential customers who are going to check out the app. But if people don't actually get an experience with the app, I wonder if they are going to make the purchase based on word of mouth alone and from from the description alone. With something like OmniFocus, its reputation precedes itself. So people have known about it for many, many years and they've got they've got coworkers and peers that have used OmniFocus. So they, they, they're convinced from many different testimonies that they should try out OmniFocus. And they see the website, it's extremely thorough, it seems well supported, and with many years under Omni Group's belt, I think that people are willing to make the, make the transition and pay $40 or $80 for an app. With an app like yours that is just as good in terms of quality, but doesn't have the established base of, of customers, I can see where it would be mission critical to experiment with ways in which you can get people to talk more vocally about your app and to give it a try and to experiment with your app in spite of the price, in spite of buying it and 
wondering whether or not they'll get the value from that purchase. I don't know. Right. I, I have definitely plans to offer a trial version for the Mac. But there are also some challenges because I use iCloud and it's not possible to offer iCloud Sync um, in a trial version that is um, distributed outside of the App Store. Hmm. Um, well, then make that one of the features that people get with the, with right, the purchase. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> so, Perfect. yeah, there's definitely a plan to, um, to offer um, a trial version in the future. Well, Jen, this has been an excellent conversation. I really enjoy having you on the show. I'm going to continue to use the app, and I'm sure it's going to come up again on the show as I continue to see where I can implement it in my regular workflows as well. Thanks. If you ever make a connection to the OmniFocus app, <laughs> that'd be stupendous. If not, it's still okay. It never occurred to me that that would be a good idea, but it's, uh, it's an interesting one for sure. I let you know. <laughs> where would you like people to find you online and check out your work? So uh, the address for Focus is focusapp.io. Um, There you can find everything about Focus and about me. All right. Well, thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Jan, for joining me again for this episode. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to episode 42. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes and links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 42. If you want to chat with us, the show is at tectonicfm on Twitter. Our guest is at Jen Hireman, that's spelled H-E-I-E-R-M-A-N-N, and I'm underscore Joe Darnell. My co-host is Joshua Pfeiffer, and Pfeiffer is spelled P-E-I-F-F-E-R. You can also find links to our Twitters in the show notes. And uh, send your feedback and questions via email to hello at tectonic.fm. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to the Tectonic Podcast. Pfeiffer is a solid, solid German name, by the way. And I drive a used Porsche. So, you know, I like the German stuff. <laughs> German beer, German cars. Got a, uh, a Volkswagen Passat. Uh, can't afford the BMW, but the Volkswagens, uh, pretty close. <laughs>